Check, check. Mic check. This is the Fly Moto 60 Show, presented by Truck Hero and Pro Taper. On PulpMX.com, taking your calls and looking ahead to the races with your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody. It is Thursday. It is March 16th. 2017, 12 o'clock Pacific. Let's talk some Indianapolis Supercross coming up this week in round 11 of 17. Monster Energy AMA Supercross Series, exciting stuff. Daytona is in the rearview mirror, thank God. Track sucked. Racing was all right. J-Mart, bro. 702-586-7857. Give us a call. We are looking to give away a 2017 and a half fly racing kinetic mesh gear. This is a complete gear that the guys were wearing at Daytona, looking good. And uh, the vented stuff, and it's great. It works well. It functions incredible. And we are going to give it away to a lucky caller on the show today. 702-586-7857. Call in. Ask a question about really anything you want, man. That's fine. We'll take it. Let's talk Daytona if you want. Let's talk J-Mart. Let's talk Cameron McAdoo on the Geico team now. Where'd that come from? Let's talk uh, Indianapolis if you want. Look at the track map. Looks like another very, very start-dependent track uh, this weekend. We'll talk to Jason Thomas about that. Also, Paul Parabinos from Pro Taper. He will be on. Fly racing, making much more than motocross gear, people. Whether it's a uh, whether it's a mountain bike gear, the snowmobile gear, the hard parts. Uh, visit flyracing.com to see your or local or go see your local authorized dealer for a full list of available fly parts. Fly racing, snowmobile gear. Take your ticket. Take it to the trailer mountains and make it your playground with fly racing. And the mountain bike gear as well, uh, whether it's uh, uh, lightweight, purpose-built, carbon fiber, Kevlar, Bluetooth, audio-compatible, works, downhill bicycle helmet, to the Talon RS speed-compatible shoe, Fly Racing continues to expand its line of mountain bike-specific products. We thank those guys as well. Truck Hero, truck-hero.com, parent company of NFAB, proud sponsor of the uh, Auto Trader JGR Suzuki guys. Truck-hero.com, from the inside of the vehicle to the outside, Truck Hero had you covered. To learn more about Truck Hero and the growing family of brands that it has, go to truck-hero.com. They make some real cool stuff. Truck Hero, big company. Pro Taper as well, the Geico Honda, the Rockstar Husky team, the JGR Suzuki guys, the Rockstar Energy Ice One team in Europe. Uh, they all use Pro Taper Bar from the very first innovation, which was the oversized one-on-one bar that was invented by Pro Taper. Since then, the Pro Taper has prided themselves on providing an exciting, innovative, and complete product line. The fill the control and drive needs from today's serious protaper.com. I don't need to tell you about protaper too much because, uh, yeah, it's an iconic brand in the industry, making a lot of cool stuff. And what is get? What is get? 
Go get get. Get ECU generation. Uh, the RX1 processor, the LC GPA, extremely precise and works totally different compared to common OE systems. Chad Reed, Cooper Webb, the JGR guys, they all depend on Get. Destroy the start, get the whole shot with the LC GPA, is the new launch control system developed by Get Engineers. Uh, very, very popular with our listeners right now. The Get th- stuff is. People have used it and uh, they report back that it's been working fantastic. So thanks to Get and Pro Taper and Truck Hero and Fly Racing. We're giving away a set of kinetic racing gear. Talking some Indy Supercross. First up, though, taking your calls in the corner there, producing the show, holding things down at 702-586-757 is the Tits Legendary. Hey, Steve. So. Yeah. Let me do some math for you. Okay. If Eli Tomac wins out the rest of these races, so we have uh, uh, six more to go. Yes. He wins the title. Yes. Your guy, Ryan Dungey. Yes. Does not. Correct. Now, he put a hell of a ride in Daytona. Yes, he did. Showing everyone who's boss. Oh, do you think that's what that was? Well, he definitely gave it to Seeley in the end there. Are you worried? No, because like uh, Mr. Wygant says, you can't do the math right now. When you got two races left and say he's got to win both of them, then we'll we'll be a little more worried about stuff. But you were worried like two weeks ago. Yeah, I know. But then, so what's happened since then? Angry Dunge since then is what it oh, is. I mean, he's okay. throwing his goggles. He says, "I don't, I don't care." Yeah. So yeah. you're you're back. I think there's at least a decent chance that Dungey gets one more win, or that Tomac doesn't win again. So yeah, also, I, I would. There's agree also a very you. good chance that Dungey has another, you know. Crap weekend can, like he did. Like it was on a crap weekend, but you know, it doesn't stay on the podium and whatnot. Hey, so. listen to this though. With with Dungey starts yes. in Toronto and uh-huh. in Daytona, Eli Tomac has a better average starting position than Ryan Dungey. Mm-hmm. Who would have ever thought that? Who would ever thought that? You throw out those outliers and we're we're back in the game, no problem. Okay, all right. <laughs> well, I, I can't figure you out. You're worried one weekend. You're not worried now. Well, Your guy just got fourth. Hey, first time since 2015. Uh, 2014, sorry. Mm-hmm. So all of 2015 mm-hmm. and all of 2017, 2016, sorry, mm-hmm. that Ryan Dungey got two-fourths. Yeah. So. No, nah, it's – before, it just seemed like he didn't quite have it. Like, he, he, he was going, and he had a decent start, but then he wasn't really coming through the pack. Uh-huh. Whereas this week – yeah, he the, on paper the finish wasn't great. Yeah. I mean, a fourth yeah. place is for him is the track not was good. crap. It was crap, but he still was making stuff happen, and especially with the very end, you know, that he was pushing. Uh, you know, sorry to Seeley that he gets passed on literally the very last corner, Poor but Seeley. man, he just freaking made it happen. That's the fire. That's the, that's what I'm looking for. So, uh, I'll talk to you in two weeks before the end, and then I'll tell you whether <laughs> or not I'm worried. But for All now, right. I'm thinking I'm okay. Let's that's his legendary, folks. He's he's a, he's a Mystery wrapped in a riddle, as usual. Let's get Paul Parabinos on the uh, on the show here from Pro Taper. He's coming up first. Before that, though, let's take a call from Jason. Jason, what's going on, man? How are you? Good. How are you? Good. What's happening? Uh, so, uh, as far as J-Mart, what are the chances he goes to Monster Cowery next year? I know he was saying on the Pulp MX show um, he's going to 450s next year. Um, and him and Villapoto being all buddy-buddy at Daytona. Um, no, bro, he's locked into Geico next year. He's got a. He's got a. I think he signed. Oh, okay. a, I think he signed a three-year deal, two-year deal, anyways. For sure, next year he is on Geico Honda. Now, whether he says he's on a 450 Supercross and Motocross next year for Geico, uh, uh-huh. like a like a Wyndham or Bogle or whatever. Um, if I would, if he doesn't win the 250 Supercross title, which is certainly not looking like it, 
I don't know if he makes that jump. He probably makes the jump to 450 Supercross, like he says, but I don't know. We'll see. But he's he's locked into Geico next year. Okay. All right. Yeah, it'd make more sense to stay in 250s and try and get a championship before he goes to 450s if he can. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So um, it'll be interesting to see, though. That's what I mean. Like, I think their whole plan of him going to 450s in 2018 was pretty much like if he doesn't win the Supercross title in 250s, he'll be right there and battling and whatever, and it's time to move up. But with his shitty year that's been happening in 250s, and let's face it, it's been shitty. There's no other way to to, yeah. to, to say it. Maybe he maybe he stays in 250s. I don't know. We'll see. But he's locked in with Geico, irregardless. Yeah, yeah, it might be better for his career anyway. Yeah. All right, man. Thanks for the question. Thank you. Right, thanks. Thanks. All right, let's get to our first guest on the uh, Fly Race and Moto 60 show, presented by Pro Taper, Get and Truck Hero. It's Pro Taper's own Paul Parabinos. What's up, Paul? Hey, Steve. What's happening? How are things at uh, Pro Taper? Uh, good, man. Just a busy week. I'm traveling this week uh, for a trade show, so um, I'm on my laptop um, remotely doing some work and uh, talking to you now. So, oh yeah, I like it. Nice. Uh, Pro Taper bars. Uh, what's the most? What's the the biggest selling bar you have? Because I could I could think uh, of it both ways. I could. I know I asked you a question that I'm going to speak, but that's what I do all the time. Um, <laughs> I can see the seven eighths bar. You know, that's old standard. Pro Taper 7 yep. bar selling a ton because of all the old bikes out there and all the people that still have the old bikes and everything else. So I can see that, but yet I can see yeah. the oversized bar that now comes standard on a lot of bikes. I can see that being the big seller, but then the oversized bar with the adjustable crossbar, that's the latest and greatest, and that could sell. Yeah, so it's 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 different. It depends what kind of customer you are, um, but our best-selling bar as far as sales volume uh, by units is our contour bar, which is a handlebar, no no crossbar pad. Um, I, oh, no, no crossbar, I'm sorry. Yeah, no crossbar. $75 price, price point. So we have a higher-end yep. um, crossbarless bar, which is our Evo, mm-hmm. which is a $89 price point. Um, and the SE is a 74 um, I'm sorry, sixty nine ninety nine is the SE bar, and the Fusion bar is one twenty nine ninety nine. So the seventy four ninety nine no, price, yeah, oversized bar, bar. yeah, oversized bar, yes, okay. oversized inch and eighth, yeah. All right, there we go. You learn something every new every day, but you know what I mean by the seven eighth bar, <laughs> like, yeah, that's old uh, trusty. Plenty of people out there that still <laughs> still need a seven eighth bar, and it's uh it's at a price point that they need. So um. Yeah, uh, there's a customer for everything, so we try to create a product for everything. Yeah, no, absolutely. Hey, so uh, let's touch on what that caller just said. Uh, David, uh, not J- Jason, called about J-Mart. Um, he asked about going to Monster Calorie. Now, he's locked into Geico. You and I both know that. But the plan was, and you probably heard me talking, the plan was for J-Mart to go 450 Supercross on a Geico Honda in 18. Um, that's probably going to happen. But wouldn't you not be surprised if he stayed in 250s for yet another year? No, I really wouldn't be surprised at all. And I think he's told us that he's contracted right at 450 next year. But um, I think that could be easily changed. Yes. And uh, who knows what's going to transpire. But he just didn't have a good year this year, and he deserves to have a good one. He's very capable of winning a Supercross title. And, mm-hmm. and I don't see that any rusher need to get into the 450 class without without – accomplishing uh, a supercross title in the 250 class if you're eligible stay down there and ride it make some money win some races and and get better and prepare for the future so um i don't see any reason rushing it but hey i'm not jeremy martin i'm not you know so uh um i wouldn't be surprised though to answer your question um on the uh on the other side of geico um cameron mcadoo 
taken from MCR. Yeah, really cool. Yeah, fill in ride. Okay, so no, they're not just filling him in for 2017 Supercross people because RJ Hampshire's injury yeah. and Chase Sexton's injury. They're not just filling him in for 2017 Motocross. They are actually they have signed him for 18 as well. That's a little unprecedented. Yeah, and I like the move. I mean, when you really think about it. Um, there could be a few guys pointing out of the class this year. If Hill wins, he's out. Yep. If Osborne wins, he's out. Um, if Savachi wins, he's out. There's there's going to be a bidding war for some for some top two fifty talent, I think, amongst these teams. And, you know, Pro Circuit's gonna have spots to fill. Geico obviously needs some fill some spots and Cameron McAdoo is a rookie this year that was showing a lot of promise and a, a lot of heart and grit and he was really racing hard and, and doing it probably you know, I'm not I don't wanna um, say anything bad about the MCR team. They're a great team, I think. Um, everything I've heard, they've they've they probably have a great bike, but um, yeah. but obviously probably not as good as Geico or PC. So um, maybe he can turn into a guy that races for a podium in the future. So I like I like the move there. Geico's always planning ahead. So um, yeah, and, and, uh, and props, I would imagine props to uh, MCR for letting him go. They didn't have to. Yeah, you know? exactly. And I would imagine I, I, it had to have been a pretty classy affair. I mean, Geico's probably. Um, Geico probably contacted the team before they contacted Cameron. Um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so uh, yeah, uh, I'm interested to see how it pans out. I don't think he's racing this weekend, correct? We're going to wait till Detroit. So, uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see I, if the um, we'll see if Geico can get him to an, another step up. I'm really surprised that they said, uh, "Yeah, we'll take you for 18 too." Like we don't quite know what Cameron McAdoo is yet. We we see him; he's good for sure. He's been solid. He's got three races under his belt as a rookie. Uh, some good, some yeah. bad. And for Geico to say, yeah, man, we see enough to put you on in 18, that's a little surprising. But good for him. Yeah, it's big, it's big for sure. And, yeah. and who knows? We don't know. Have we? Has he ever raced an outdoor? No. Yeah, so we don't know what is. I mean, we've, we've seen what he does does has done as an amateur and and i'm really impressed with with where he's gotten to where he's at because i've seen him i saw him years ago when he was riding cowies at amateur nationals and he was he was okay um but uh he's really made a uh made an uptrend and he's obviously working hard so a work ethic can re- get you really far in the sport yeah absolutely so um we yeah so mcr lets Cameron mcadoo go and uh the geico team that's been hit hard by uh, rj now i understand this was in the. This was thought of like maybe a couple of weeks ago. I heard, but part of the problem was that they didn't. They just needed supercross only, and MCR said you can't have McAdoo unless you give him an outdoor ride in seventeen. Geico was like, no, I don't think so. Well, now it seems like Hampshire's injury might be a little bit worse than um, than than first thought. He might need to go under the knife. And uh, Sexton, of course, femur. I would think he's out for a while. So there's going to be a spot there. For for him, um, that's what kind of changed, I think. But the eighteen thing that came out of nowhere for me. Yeah, yeah, and and like I said, I think those guys are planning ahead. Um, yeah. Chase Sexton's been riddled, riddled with injuries, and and I think it's best if he probably just takes maybe the rest of the year off, and um, or maybe comes back for the last few nationals. Who knows what their plan is with him? Yeah, but they'll have Craig and J Mart outdoors, so they need another guy. If RJ, you know, they don't want to rush RJ back, so mm-hmm. they need some guys. I guess they could put Dakotas on there, but um, yep. he hasn't been great outdoors. He's a really good Supercross rider, so um, I like the move. I mean, that's and that's why I'm proud to be a sponsor of that team. They're always looking ahead. Um, you never have to worry about them. Uh, kind of just you know not having riders yeah. putting guys on the bike. They're yep. making moves, and and that's why we love to be a part of their program. I think there's one more shoe to drop with that team, and we'll wait and see. But uh, from what I gather, there's one more thing that's going to happen that might blow some wigs back. But we'll wait and see. 
Um, I could see it. Yeah. Um, hey, Indianapolis this weekend. What's your Indianapolis memories, Parabinos? Do you ever race there? Did you ever go there as a, as a uh, pro or no? I can't remember if I've ever raced Indy. I I don't remember. Um, oh yes, no, I, I have, but it was at the uh, it was at the RCA dome. Oh, um, so so yeah. I have raced there. The um, airlock, bro. The air, uh, the airlock tunnel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That way, I believe the RCA dome was where um, Matt Gerke jumped into the stands. Was that? Was it was the race. It was. Yeah. Yeah. This is the race. So um, yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, so yeah, I, I've I've ridden there before, um, and uh, I've I've been there as a mechanic, obviously, plenty of times. Yeah. Don't think I've ever been uh, uh, worked on a bike that we've done very well there. In the past. I <laughs> no, I can't, no I great can't memories remember. from that. I no, uh, I don't think any podiums at Indy. So the track has been a uh, just a, a bombed out uh, piece of ju- piece of junk for for a few years because it gets so soft and wet at that time of year. Uh, they've done an all right job with it over the years, but it it's gotten to a point. I mean, that one year. Uh, Alessi was second forever and ate crap. Seeley finished really well. He might have. I got second. Um, it was an insane race. Just everything breaking down. Ruts everywhere. It's going to be better than that. But Indianapolis has been hot and cold as far as the track goes. Yeah, um, and and last year it was very very rutted as we all yeah. know. So um, I'm interested to see uh, what the weather has done to to the dirt. I, I would imagine. I don't know if they keep the dirt covered uh, all year round, or and I don't know what the Monster Jam schedule has been. I haven't looked into it that far, but. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the weather seems okay now. I know they got some rain coming, but obviously it's indoors. But I just, I just want—I'm wondering what the dirt is going to be like if it's going to rut up. I would imagine it would. And yep. and Dungey, Dungey worked those guys there last year, I believe. So um, uh, it's, we'll see what happens. The, the way the track looks and the way we know the dirt is. Um, it's going to be really important to get a start, and I hate saying that all the time over, but there, it really is the most important thing, and, and I can't stress it enough. You know, that's it's going to boil down to who gets a good start. I think they could walk away with it. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen the track map. I'm going to have JT talk about it a little bit when he comes on, but it's another tight one. It's another one that doesn't really use what you have in a football stadium. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking at it right now, actually, and this is the exact same layout that the uh, Suzuki guys have in Corona. Um, obviously, dirt, nothing, nothing similar at all, but um, it's a s- exact same layout with jumps and stuff. So, but yeah, when it's short lanes like this and lots of turns, and um, we know what the dirt is like, it's. I think it's going to be tough, man. You're going to have to get a great start, um, but hopefully, we see some good racing. Seven zero two five eight six seven eight five seven. Give us a call. Uh, we are giving away a set of twenty seventeen and a half Kinetic Mesh uh, Fly Racing stuff that debuted at Daytona with all of its riders. Uh, so please give us a call if you have a good question. A few lines are open still with Paul Parabinos from ProTaper, ProTaper.com, the official uh, sprocket and bars of my project bike, my latest project bike, people. So, um, <laughs> All right, so let's talk Chad Reed, buddy of mine, buddy of yours, okay. uh, old guy now. Didn't like his crash at Daytona, Paul. I did not. I hate to see like a, 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 such a champion like Reed just dork out like that. Not exactly sure what happened there. Didn't like to see that. But I can't figure him out. Like, he's obviously the Glendale ride was great, second place. He rode phenomenal a couple weeks ago. Uh, Was that Toronto? I think that was Toronto. Um, But, man, if he doesn't start up, which he's been talking about his starts, he's been switching between uh, hydraulic and a cable clutch, he's just, he can't move up. And sometimes I'm just like, what are you doing out there, Chad? Yeah, it's it's been rough, and I would imagine he's extremely frustrated because I was, 
I was kind of high on the Chad bandwagon coming into the season. I thought he was a new man in Australia, and and I'm not saying that he still isn't, but he uh, he had so much fight and speed in him, and um, I was excited. I just wanted to see good racing. I wanted to see multiple winners, and and wanted to see him in the mix. The fans love him, and and he's great for the sport. But um, JT's mentioned it plenty of times. It's just he doesn't seem to be very good on the soft dirt, and uh, what I see is he's just awful on starts that are soft and tacky. So this weekend's going to bode problem if, if he can't figure that yeah. out i think yeah. i don't know if he's getting too much traction or or and not enough wheel spin i don't know what it is right. Um, right. i'm just speculating but uh but yeah it's uh he we- has to start up there it seems um in today's day day and age but that goes for everybody i mean not many people can go through the pack i mean no. baggett's doing it a little bit dungy's doing it tomac is but that's a handful of guys that can go through the pack so, hey you just you just compared um, baggett to tomac and dungy like you literally just did that that's how good he's riding well He's been coming through the pack, man. And <laughs> no, I know. As, like uh, I know. <laughs> Anderson comes through the pack pretty good too. And and yeah, I mean, I believe I believe Blake can 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 be there again. He it's it's just start dependent, but he is good enough. We know fitness wise, speed wise, skill wise, confidence wise. Now, if he gets the start, I think he's on a podium. Yeah, I think so. I'm waiting to see if Marv is better. Uh, still feeling the effects at Daytona of his flu. And uh, so wait and see if Marv gets any better, gets back into the mix. Um, Anderson, certainly. Anderson has uh, 18 fourth-place finishes this year, but only two podiums, I believe. <laughs> so it's been, you know, it's been a bit uh, a bit of an off year for Anderson. I wrote this in my column, and, he, you know, if you're a fan of Anderson, you probably don't like what I wrote. But I just I want to see more from him, you know. I, I He's been good. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I thought he would take a step up, and he's kind of been the same. Yeah, yeah, he's been um he's been consistent. I think that's the positive, but it's got to be frustrating to have so many fourth places. You know, all, all these guys make extra money when they get on the podium, so mm-hmm. that's got to be kind of bothering him. But um, he needs to, I guess, start near the front again. I mean, I again, I I, I hate talking about starts again, but that's that would be the difference for him. Um, we know he's in great shape. I think he's got great skill. He's definitely mm-hmm. got great handlebars, sprockets, and grip on his bike. Um, <laughs> so he could he could be up there, but man, it's just uh, he's putting himself in bad positions, and he needs to fix that. So I think it'll I think it can snowball if he qualifies a little bit better, if he gets in through the heat, um, and then you, it can snowball. So, but he's got to execute when main event come time comes and he's got to be in the top five on the on, on the start to uh, give himself a chance speaking of pro taper grips uh what color is barsha running this weekend i don't know i don't know they don't tell okay. me obviously but i just well, i just see photos um yeah but um, so but you send them be you, color matching them yeah you send them every kind of color you have then and just say here you go yeah they they have seven colors to choose from and he likes to he likes the grip he likes neon grips um it's a half waffle really soft grip he loves the grip itself and he likes to color, color coordinate them to his right. gear so I have no problem with it, by all means, man. It helped him win the Lit Kid Award, bro. Um, exactly. All right, yeah. let's, let's get to some phone lines here. We got Aaron. Aaron, what's going on, man? What uh, You want to talk about mechanics? Yeah, hey, guys. How's it going? Good. Thanks for calling. Hello. Hey, yeah, I had a question that um, I was curious about back when uh, Webb and Tomac had their mechanical. Yeah. Back earlier. In the- yeah, in uh, Dallas. Uh, yep. Dallas? Um, yeah, it looked like um, it looked like they each had two mechanics working on their bike, and I was just curious if that's um, common. Um, or... Yeah, you can do it uh, in the mechanics area. Now, behind the gate, uh, that used to be anybody could go back there. It was free reign. Paul, probably in your day, too. Um, but now, behind the gate, Aaron, it's only one guy allowed. That's it. Um, but in mechanics area, I, 
Is there a rule, Paul? Can you just jack? Can you just stack it with ten guys? No, um, I, I mean, there's the there's the guy that you know, like uh, when I was at Pro Circuit, Bones would always stay in the mechanics area. The guy who brought our wheel cart was in the mechanics area. In the mechanics area, you can have other mechanics assisting. So when Cooper got the flat tire, um, he had Eric Gass, his mechanic, had help changing the front tire. And same thing with Eli's front brake issue. Um, Mike Williamson was in there to help Brian Cran. So, um, but the way the teams get around the one one mechanic per rider behind the gate is, you know, and I've it's happened plenty of times, you know, on on teams I've worked on. If you have a problem behind the gate, there's other mechanics. They're just there with their riders, so you just scoot on over and help your buddy out. Um, so you can yeah. tackle what you want to do. So, but, yeah, it's um, this is the evolution. Everyone has uh, we you know got to be perfect now mechanically wise too so um there's more help down there yeah absolutely but there there is no rule paul as far as how many people in the mechanics area during the race um like i, I want to say there's I, there each team has um floor passes i think or track passes yeah uh, and oems get i think two per so the bigger teams have are allowed to have legally have more help i believe is how it works so um yeah, I okay. believe that's how. Okay, works. that's what I was wondering about because uh, I was, I, with the celebrity uh, mechanics filling in, I was just curious if the privateers could get a uh, um, yeah more help down on the lines. Also, I think they could. They just have to get a pass and ask for it, you know, and and all that. Um, you know, if you, certainly if you have a semi truck or some sort of legitimate team, you have a bunch of passes that get handed out to you, like Paul was saying. So, um, yeah, I think I think you can do that. Sure, why not? Um, okay, great. All right. Thanks, Thanks that's, Aaron. That's Appreciate it. About. Yeah, it, uh, it's an interesting time with wheel carts and stands and exhausts and, and tires and yeah. whatever else they got. For you sure, know? yeah. Um, it, it's uh, And we've seen guys pulling the mechanics here. With these longer time main events, you have some time now. Like uh, Tomac salvaged four points um, for that uh, front brake problem. Cooper salvaged five, I think. So there's more time now yeah. to, to, to change a wheel. And that stuff, that's important. So, um, yeah, I like, I like the effort. And when you're on a top-tier team like that and you have guys that are in hunts for wins or can be every single weekend and, and, and are in hunts for titles, you have to be prepared for right. whatever could happen. Uh, all right, let's get to Phil. He wants to talk about Vince Freeze. What's up, Phil? How are you? How's it going, guys? Good. What's going on? Um, what's your opinion on Vince Freeze's start technique and the consistency of it? Obviously, he won the. I love there. it. Go ahead, Paul. I I love it. I think it's um, I think it's. I believe in the way he starts. How he sits a little bit more upright, and then when he drops the clutch and powers over the gate, he throws his momentum forward. I believe in that heart, wholeheartedly. Um, I don't believe in the techniques of laying on the handlebars like a drag bike because if one little thing upsets your your kind of clutch release or you get kind of poked by the guy next to you or something, it puts you all out of whack. It's hard to control the motorcycle and go straight. So um, I, I, I don't understand why more riders don't fix it and, and adapt that style um, uh, because I think it makes a huge difference. And especially on dirt, that's extremely tacky. I think it makes a huge difference. You have to be able to move your body around to control, to control how much traction your bike's getting as you're going over the gate. So, um, I think Vince's free, Vince's starts are evident of that he has that part figured out, and it's yeah. And, and other guys need to figure it out. Whatever size bike, whatever team, Vince Freeze pull starts. You know, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, and I, I'm I'm a firm believer in there's good starters and bad starters, and there's technique, and it's not so much about bike and and um, 
you know, uh, yeah, you know, how much horsepower you have. I think it's all technique and and mental confidence in mm-hmm. getting starts. And he has that. He goes to the he goes to the line knowing I'm going to get a good start. And when you hear some guys say that they got the whole shot, it's like hitting the lottery. That's not a good starter. That should yeah. not be like hitting the lottery. Yeah. It should be. <laughs> I know I'm going to get a good start. So um, that's a huge difference. And that's some things that oftentimes can't be taught. It's just got to be. A, I would say Eli has been the biggest turnaround in starts that I've seen in the sport in a long time. Yeah, and also too. Uh... Before all that technique and everything else, though, Vince has this twitch and this moves he does on the line. Yeah, yeah I don't condone that. I don't what? condone that. I don't know what the hell he's doing down there. <laughs> Have you noticed that, Phil? I haven't seen much of that lately. No, no if he, he starts like uh, moving his arms and hands and twitching, and he looks like he's maybe got electric shocks going through his body, which, <laughs> Paul, if you're starting next to him as a rider, you've got to be like, uh, okay. It's got to be, yeah, yeah, it's got to be a bit distracting. And everyone knows he does it. It's an, it's an OCD thing. I've yeah. seen, I have, I have friends actually that do, do some things like tighten their gas cap or check their ass 12 times. But Vince yeah. Reese likes to turn his handlebars to the stop 24 times, I think. I don't know. I've never counted them, but yeah, I'm and sure he's doing the same thing every time. He's got a routine. Yeah. And a routine, I think, yeah. is, is, a routine is important when I think you're trying to get good starts. Yeah. If you have a routine, it helps. For sure. Thanks, Phil. Thanks for the call, man. Uh, thank you, guys. Thanks. The weirdest thing that uh, Alessi, we, when I was working for Red, uh, Alessi used to, like, hit the guys on each side of him on the elbow and give them thumbs up, like, wish him luck. <laughs> like, I'm like, yeah, I mean, this ain't this ain't the, the fair race, bro. Like, this is, you know. That, that could just be a product of his childhood, how he's always been hated and disliked, so he's just trying to be friends, or... Uh, I don't. I don't know what it is, yeah, or maybe no. that's just his routine. I don't know. It always struck um, me as very strange. <laughs> I've never had a guy do it on a pro race, like on on, a, on the starting line. Like, hey, good luck. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't talk to anybody when I go to the starting line. I'm I'm I, I'm there to worry about myself. I don't. Yeah. I don't like to talk. Yeah. No, I'm with you. All right, let's get to uh, Seth. What's going on? Welcome to the Fly Race and Moto Sixty Show. What's up, Seth? What's going on, guys? What's happening? Oh, not not a whole lot. I got I got two quick questions. One's sure. about Cooper Webb, and one's about Ride. All right. All right, Cooper Webb. What do you think for outdoors this year? Is we going to get a win, get a, get a couple, be in the title, sit back, learn a little bit? What, oh. What's going on? What do you think, Paul? Cooper Webb outdoors. Um, I think top five in points. Uh, I think um, could maybe win a race. Um, I just think it's going to be really hard to beat Eli Tomac and Ryan Dungey outdoors, uh, and Blake Baggett. I think is going to be good too. But I'm a I'm a big believer in Cooper. Steve knows this. Um, I do think he can win a race this year. And uh, but you know he's never raced. A, he has raced a 450 outdoors a bit. So I'll I'll say top five in yeah. points. Um, I'll say he wins a moto. Um, no, give me one overall. Screw it. I'll, he'll, he'll win one time. One thing about <laughs> Webb, you can't like if you were to ask me if he's is he a better Supercross or outdoor rider, I don't know. Which is good. That's a good thing. I have no idea. He's great at both. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So I, I'm really interested to see how Cooper does when he comes back in Detroit. I um I'm I think he's going to be in the mix for a podium immediately. So um, yeah. we'll see. Maybe uh-huh. I'll be proven wrong, but I believe uh-huh. in Cooper. So. What else, Seth? What else you got? Uh, all right. So I'm I'm a local A rider, or whatever. I've taken about the past year or so, year and a half off riding. I'm going to go race a, a Loretta's qualifier next weekend. All right. After I'm going to India this weekend, what what are some tips? Would it just not getting tired? Because I know <laughs> I'm going to pump up in about some turns. Oh. <laughs> uh, what do you think, Paul? Give give Seth some tips. Year and a half off, going to Loretta's qualifier. You won Loretta's two years ago, Parabino, so you know. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, I kind of, I can, I can sympathize with your program. It's always fun to go and chase Loretta's again. It's a fun thing to do. So, um, uh, I mean, there's no replacement for practicing uh, if, if if that's hard to do. Um, everyone has different techniques, I guess. You can uh, you can drink a bunch of beer the night before and thin your blood out, and hopefully you'll be looser on race day. That's one thing. Stop Normally it. my um, game plan. Normally my game plan. <laughs> Uh, you can um, you can take a bunch of aspirin that might thin your blood out and you won't get as tight. Um, really, it's it comes from mental mental uh, mental kind of preparation. You just gotta know that you're gonna get tired, but other guys are too, and just try to keep your breathing under wraps and keep your hands relaxed and and try to ride good lines and and uh, yeah, don't uh, don't let your heart rate spike too much. But hey, man, it's if you haven't raced in a while, you're gonna be your heart rate's gonna spike. You're gonna get arm yeah, pumped, but yeah. everyone else will too. So you gotta you gotta pull from what's inside of you, your heart, I guess, and, and see how bad you want it. I always, I always found, like, when I raced, it was a long time ago, of course, but I, I raced the World Vets not that long ago, and my arms were rock solid. I found if I'm just, like, deep breaths and all of a sudden start remembering to grip the tank, grip the sides, grip the bike, you know what I mean? Um, that's, a good, that's a good advice, yeah. yeah the bike it, a lot with your legs and your knees. You forget that when it's in the heat of the moment and you're opening blitzing laps and you're going balls out, balls out, but then as you get pumped up and as you get tired, you're like, okay, wait, stop grip tank relax you know so um yeah that's the, good luck seth let us know how you do bud will do thank you guys all right thank you appreciate it man that's rough jason loretta's after a year and a half of not riding yeah, that's that's <laughs> tough yeah hopefully he's got some practice in because it's it's probably not going to go real well loretta's is if, a serious deal <laughs> if you're in the northeast no that doesn't work what, what would be the easiest re- central what would be the, the easiest region to the qualify? Easiest, the easiest region is the Pacific Northwest, like Washougal. By oh, it far, is? is the easiest. Really? Yeah, by far. Oh, okay. By far. Uh. I mean, because think about it. People that are qualifying up there in Washougal, they have the longest drive to go to Tennessee out of anybody in the country. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I would say it's just less less attended up there. But right. you get into the Michigan area and the Carolinas, and, man, yeah. they, they have a lot of people trying to go to Loretta's. I qualified in 88. We didn't go because it wasn't a big deal to us. We didn't really know anything about it. But I rode the, the first area in Minnesota, and the regional was in Byron, Illinois. And I don't remember it being that hard. I'm like, oh, cool! I made it right on. Like, like you know, I mean, 1988. I don't know. Like, just was like. You're a four-time Manitoba champion. Uh, well, like, thank you. It's just it's easy for you. <laughs> thank it's you. easy for you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I just <laughs> I don't think like it was this big deal back then. You know what I mean? Like maybe you were cherry picking. Were you in the? Were you cherry picking? I was were in. You, I was in 80. 80 expert or something or whatever. Yeah. I don't think they've ever had an expert class. At well, whatever, 80, 80, 14, 15. Age class. Yeah, yeah, 80, 40, 50, 50, whatever it was. I remember the area, there was a stock and mod class, and I didn't do anything to my bike in the area for the stock class. Nobody did. We all lined up with their regular bikes. And, yeah. You know, I'm just like, isn't this kind of against the rules? And somebody was like, yeah, don't worry about it. It's fine. But when you go to the regional, you should probably, you know, do it. I'm like, okay. All right. <laughs> Anyways, all right, Paul Parabinas from Pro Taper on. Uh, Scott, what's going on? You want to talk about starts? Yeah, I was wondering if uh, anybody was still doing third gear starts or if that was only uh, Andrew Shorty Shorty. doing that when he was racing. Well, Dan Truman mentioned on our NFAB Fantasy Pod yesterday that J-Mart did a third gear start. Um, In Daytona? In Daytona, yeah. And I double-checked today, and yep, he did. He did a third gear start, um, which (laughs) explains, you know, I I mean, what does he weigh, Paul, 150? Yeah, he's not much. I, I would imagine that's the perfect guy to do it. Him or Blake Baggett, they're like a, a fly on a horse's back. So. Yeah, so J-Mark did third in Daytona, pulled it, 
And, I, and we saw what he did. He did a great job. But um, I asked Burner, who's now – Michael Burner had a lot to do with Andrew Short, Short doing third-gear starts. Uh, worked with him on it, suggested it. They worked together on it. We saw what happened. I asked Burner, like, what do you think? Like, you're going to get some of your guys to do it? And he said, no, I don't think so. so yeah, like maybe Chad? No, I don't think Chad – yeah, I don't think that – I'm I'm sure he's tried to teach Chad it before or yeah. suggested it to him and Burner's one of the best starters I've ever seen in, in the world, so he's yeah. your he's great advice to take from. But I mean it's it's harder for some people. Some people just can't do it. And um yeah. so it's it's yeah, tough. It's and it's not always, technique I, mean, thing I know if I was lining up next to somebody that was doing a third year start, I'd move two feet over <laughs> three feet out of the gate and get rid of that guy quick. I know that's what I would do. I used to do third on five hundred. Yeah, it was good. It was good. Um but <laughs> um, so, you know, to you racing the red of? Paul, you racing? Again? Are you That's racing the plan right now. Um, you never know how it goes with wife and kid and job and money, and so who knows, but that's that's my plan at the moment. What about Lars? I'm trying to get him to go, but he says he's going to do it, but you never know until it boils down. I hope I hope he yeah. comes. I'd love for him to go. And Chris Kiefer's guys- in, too. Kiefer is in also, so this should be a great battle. Do you guys make any yeah. kind of personal bets between you two when you do that, or is it just more of like a pride thing when you guys win? Um, for me, it would be a pride thing, but I'd love to make some bets. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, we boil down to that. I'd love to profit off. Please, of someone take my money. Right, right. Uh, awesome. Thanks, Scott. Thanks for the call, man. Right on. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Paul. Uh, thank you for coming on the show today. Fly Race and Moto Sixty Show, presented by Get Truck Hero, and of course the folks at Pro Taper. Uh, thank you for uh, coming on ProTaper.com, and uh, we will see you around, buddy. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. Take care, everyone. All right, thanks. That's Paul Parabinos from Pro Taper Fly Racing. We are still giving away 2017 and a half Kinetic Mesh gear that debuted. In Daytona, guys looked pretty sweet on it. Uh, Adam Ettignap and the uh, the Rocky Mountain KTM guys had it on, and uh, we're looking forward to Trey Kennard showing up in his fly racing gear. We think this weekend as well. Get Truck Hero and Pro Taper all on board with us. With that, let's get to our next guest on the show. He is at from FlyRacing.com. He's a two-time German Supercross champion. Tits. It's Jason Thomas. What's up, JT? Seven. Where are your German Supercross plaques, titles, trophies? They are uh, they're in an attic in a house that I have rented out in Florida. So um, hopefully those people have never gone in the attic to see all that stuff. <laughs> Did you ever say, hey, there's some of my stuff still here? Nah, I'll just leave that little surprise for them. <laughs> they didn't know they, they rented the house of a German Supercross champion. <laughs> um, uh, but I was, I was listening to you guys talk, and uh, I think the third gear start thing, I think you have to change around some things on your, your – um, gearing and all that kind of stuff so i think that's been a kind of a deal breaker for a few guys like i think it was for chad like he couldn't he didn't like the way the bike worked when he had to elsewhere yeah make the bike work yeah. for a third gear start yeah 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 it's interesting to see i know uh i don't know if you heard me but jmar started in third at daytona yeah. so yeah. um you know yeah it, if you pull it off it's 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 a sweet trick for sure um hey indian indian indianapolis supercross this uh this saturday Track is tight, bro. It's going to be another. It starts the width of the of the stadium. I'm sure you looked at the track and broke it down. I don't mm-hmm. like it. I already don't like it. <laughs> Shocker. Um, no, it is. It's. Uh, I don't like the short starts either. Um, but it, it is going to be tight. It, some of the little bends in the middle don't really do much for passing. Um, I'll be surprised if they're there. I don't know. We'll see when we get there. But 
Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I kind of looked at it and, and it all depends on how they build it, but it definitely wasn't one of the more creative designs or more exciting um, looking tracks going in. I'll give you that. Yeah, uh, I agree. Although the uh, finish is pretty sweet, jumping over the star straight. That's sweet. Yeah, it's scary the first time. <laughs> I would always be stressing about it. I mean, they're usually a pretty big gap. Yeah, yeah, really, right? Um, hey, so is uh, Trey Kennard coming back this weekend? Do we know? I have not heard, so All right. um, I honestly well, don't know. The Get Data, Dan Truman, are you aware of him? Uh, familiar, yes. Yeah, he says Trey's in. Okay. <laughs> No, exactly. No Dan's source on that. But uh, so Trey Kennard, hopefully he comes back in. Uh, obviously he hit his head in um, in Toronto, which sucked. Missed Daytona, everything else. Trey, just when he looked like he was getting back better too. Um, we, it'd be nice to see him out there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, same as any of these elite-level guys like Stu and Kennard, the, you know, the racing's better when they're there. Uh, Cameron McAdoo touched on this with Paul, so I don't want to talk about it too much, but I'll get your reaction to it. Not only did they fill him in for 17 on the Geico Honda team uh, for motocross, which was kind of a snag early on when they were first talking about it, they signed the kid for 18 too. Yeah, that's uh, that's impressive. I mean, the kid's been good yeah. for sure. So, um, if I will say though, if anybody in this sport is proactive, it's Geico Honda. So yeah, you look, I mean, they have kids like Carson Mumford and these kids signed up for like seven years, mm-hmm. you know, so yeah. they are certainly not scared to go out on a limb and sign these guys. Um, so yeah, it may, it makes sense when you look at it that way. Yeah, no, absolutely. Although I don't know if I've, we need to look back in the, in the record books, but I don't know if too many fill in guys who get it fill in for, and then get a contract for the next year without even writing for them. <laughs> Just here you go. Yeah. I think, it, I think it changes a little bit when you're a rookie. Because mm-hmm. obviously, you know, he was he did really well at Monster Cup, and then he didn't get a full on deal. He obviously, you know, Genova helped him out there, which was awesome. Um, but I think he was already on some people's radar anyway, right? And then he's obviously come out and done pretty well, so he kind of uh, I think more sealed the deal on some of that potential than anything else. You know, a lot of these guys are usually kind of retreads, yeah. Where he's a rookie, so it's a little bit different dynamic. Yeah, um, Jeremy Martin got second, of course. Daytona led for ten laps. We all know that great ride for him and fantastic job for Honda as well to put him on the bike. This and that. How hard, JT, do you convince? Honda, or how hard does Honda try to convince Jeremy or whatever? Now, we had him on the Pulp Show, and he said, never, never going to go to Indy. Never was part of the deal. Not going to happen. Um, but how hard do you try to change that if you are anybody? Or do is this okay? You go one and done. Uh, if I'm J-Mart, I, I absolutely do not go. And I try to leverage and position myself in every way possible to get a 450 deal locked and done right now. <laughs> well, he's got one. He's, he's locked the Geico next year. Which well, you, I know, yeah. but yeah. further. Yeah. Um, I think you, you know, that was the best possible <laughs> scenario for his 450 career. You drop the mic and you walk off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, what's he going to go win Indy? I mean, I, I don't personally think that's going to happen. Right. That would be the only way to to better it. And uh, I mean, unless he's unless he's racing for purse money and bonus money, and that's what he wants to go out there and do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't see any upside. He made his case for his 450 deal. I would do everything I could to get that done. ASAP, and yeah. then I would uh, I would go back to what I was doing. Uh, another thing we talked to Paul about, but uh, interested to get your opinion. So, eighteen, he's supposed to be four fifty supercross for Geico, but this two fifty season hasn't gone as planned. Mm-hmm. I think he'll be on a four fifty for Geico next year, but it was established that it would be one hundred percent for sure. My my thinking at this point is I don't think that would be one hundred percent for sure. With his crappy season in two fifties, I would not be surprised to see him. Line up for 250s again. 
Um, yeah, I, I, from what I thought, and I, I don't have as much insider information as Paul does being a team sponsor, but I thought he was going to race 250 Supercross next year and then 450 Outdoors next year. No, what four I fi- yeah, 450s. Okay. So, um, you know, I mean, I think that's still the plan, and I wouldn't be, you know, I'm not going to say they're not doing that plan, but I would not um, be surprised. Well, I think after that Daytona ride, I think he pretty much just sealed his fate as far as riding a 450 yeah. next year. Yeah, he wants to get on it bad, right? Uh, speaking of, of uh, J-Mart, let's get to Jeremy. Jeremy, you got a question about uh, Jeremy Martin starts? Yeah, I did have a quick question. Uh, could we draw a conclusion that Jeremy Martin is too big for a 250 and he just can't get a start on a 250? That's why he needs to move the 450? Absolutely not. No. No, no Jeremy. Jeremy's tiny. I, I'm totally joking. Oh, totally oh, joking. oh okay. All right. <laughs> It's funny that he moved to the 450, got a start, and I'm sure somebody's probably thinking that out there somewhere. Wow, yeah, and you know what? Uh, his he's he's a small dude. His 250 starts haven't been good. Um, you know, Paul Paul was saying on our fantasy pod or somewhere that uh, that it's all that's all been Jeremy's problem is the starts in the first lap, and I, I kind of disagree a little bit. Obviously, that's a big part of the problem. That's a major part of the problem. But you know, when he's been in traffic, it's not like he's been just eating dudes up and racing to the front. There's been races where he's been kind of stuck after he gets recovered from his bad start or bad first lap. You know, so I would I would disagree slightly with Parabino saying that that's his only issue is a start and a first lap. Because I don't think he's been just that fast. Yes, he's qualified fast as an A one, but just I, I even when he gets free, I don't know if it's frustration or you know the race is over in his head, so he doesn't you know quite feel this feel it as much. But um, it's been rough. So agreed, and I think you do make that valid point that some of those guys just have that natural instinct to just move through the pack, like you say, Stu and Chad and Dungey. Uh, bad start or not, they can usually just rip through the pack unless they're on that yeah. shitty track, Daytona. Yeah, so. I, well, even even Dunge didn't made it work, you know. So, um, yeah, I've always said that the, those elite guys, JT, they they come in the turn seventh, eighth, ninth. Uh, Ricky put Ricky in this group too, and before you know it, by that end of that first rhythm lane, they're in third, and you're like, how did that happen? How did they do that? I did have one <laughs> one last question. So. Does Jake Weimer and Brian Dungey have some, like, beef to bury or something? It seems like he will always punt that dude anytime he gets a chance. Not that I know for of. For some reason. JT. Oh, any, I know. Any, yeah, I know. No, I know. But, I, I'm, I, you know, I think Weimer's been punted by a few guys, and he's probably pretty pissed off at this point. But, you know, what are you going to do? But when, it seems like, you know, Dungey's a pretty mellow guy, but yet he still will always lay into Jake whenever he gets a chance. Yeah. Well, that was during oh. the angry Dunge period, too. Yeah. <laughs> Right, right, it was. But, of course, Weimer had to be the target. Yeah, I know. Somebody else, like, freezy or something, you know. Yeah. All right, thanks for the call, man. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Yeah, Angry Dunge, when Dunge denied he was Angry Dunge. And you're like, really? Because he was angry that we were calling him Angry Dunge, which made him angrier. (laughs) Right, exactly. Uh, Let's get to uh, Kyle. Kyle, what's going on, man? How are you? Kyle, you there? All right. Uh, Jason Thomas here on the Fly Race and Moto 60 Show, presented by uh, Truck Hero, Get, and Pro Taper, all on board with us. Thursdays at noon. Next week, though, we might be uh, doing a Wednesday show, so stay tuned on that because our producer, JT, is uh, is apparently busy. So, hmm. you know, I don't know what exactly he's got well, going on. but Apparently just doesn't want it bad enough. Nope, absolutely. All right, so um, the 250 class, JT, just tightened up quite a bit with uh, Osborne's uh, fifth at Daytona. Adams wins. Savachi got second. Six points now for Savachi. It's getting tight, but I, I like I still like Osborne, man. I just like the way he rode. I like the way he rode in Daytona. Thought he was great. Yeah, I mean it was uh it was definitely a weird day for Zach. He didn't look to me 
like he was like he did at the other races all day. He was good, but he wasn't uh he he wasn't head and shoulders better than everyone and that's how I've seen him at every round up until Daytona. Mm-hmm. Uh so I, I thought he would I still had him as my favorite to win, but I didn't I didn't go in being like, well, these guys have their work cut out because Zach's a lot better than them today. And we saw that kind of play out. Um Zach did win his heat. Don't get me wrong, but then in the main event he really wasn't uh he wasn't making up very much time on those guys. And I think that contributed to his crash. I think he, uh, I don't want to say panic. I think that's too strong of a word, but right. I think he tried to up the intensity to make up time and that caused a mistake. And then when he got up, he just went nuts. Like he was, he was like, uh, you know, on a 12 on a scale of one to 10, yeah. uh, as far as intensity, trying to get back to those guys. And he, and he really never could get, you know, better than fifth. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see this weekend if uh, you know if Adam's confidence grew, um, if if Zach has any negative, you know, um, kind of recoil from from Daytona. Uh, but but I I do think it'll kind of be the status quo. I think Zach is still the best guy and will be the best guy. Um, so to have a bad night and still be fifth wasn't terrible. Yeah. But it definitely uh, it definitely made things more interesting and, and gave us some storylines to talk about. Yeah, it's interesting. I was doing the math, and if Savachi hadn't crashed with three laps to go in Toronto, he'd be the points mm-hmm. leader right now. That yeah. and he was yeah, kind of by himself. That. He was kind of by himself. No reason, you know what I mean? In that, in that long rhythm. And yeah, and as we've seen over the years in these 250 races, it's uh, it's managing the mistakes because they're all going to make a mistake. We, we if we know anything about 250 racing. Uh, everyone's going to make a mistake. These guys are just too young and too inexperienced and they're pushing, you know, too hard to not make a mistake. So if that's Zach's one and only mistake, a fifth is pretty good where, you know, Savachi gave up more mm-hmm. points than Zach did. Yeah, absolutely. Let's get some phone lines. Arnold, what's going on? You want to talk about Davey Millsaps? Yeah. You know, um, I was just, uh, looking at his stats since he had come back in like 14, you know, after some injury and stuff and, um, was just looking at his stats to see how his improvement was. And interesting thing was he had 10 starts and 14 on the Cowie. And uh, if I figured it right, his average finish was a 10.5, and then the next year on the KTM was a 10.7. But yet, you know, the general consensus seems to be that he was quite a bit better on the KTM. And I was just wondering what you guys' thoughts were. Do you think it was a matter of expectations, like where he was expected to win, you know, for Um, Kawasaki, and he wasn't necessarily for KTM? Yeah, interesting. Uh, When you say the results on a KTM, that was the the first year on the BTO team, like last year? Yeah. Right. Yeah, in 2015. no, 15 was a Cowie. 15 was Cowie. 15. 16 oh, yeah, was 15 and right. then 16. Right. And he, had four, he had 14 starts last year, and, and so I just took, you know, his added his finishes yeah. together and then divided that by 14. Right, right, right. Um, no, he didn't have 14 starts last year because he got hurt at Daytona. He got hurt at Daytona last year. So he got hurt at Daytona and then missed the rest of the season, came back for uh, – he never came back. He went to Canada. No, he went to Canada. Yeah. So come on, Arnold. <laughs> Maybe I'm off on my. On my well, but here's the going. thing. Here's the thing. Okay, yeah. so yeah, Cowie, Cowie signed Davey. Uh, they lost RV and they signed Millsaps. And at the time, a lot of us scratched our heads at that because Davey had taken the whole. He had missed the entire 14 season with injuries on the Rockstar KTM team. Of course, we remember him on the Rockstar Suzuki team in 13, killing it. Uh, he, he did all the Supercross and he had to get a knee injury. 
missed all of 14 yep. with injuries, came back in 15 on the Cowie, and I know he was uh, – and then he got let go, fired from the team for Santa Clara, so late in the Supercross season. But it wasn't really going that well. But JT, he was dealing with some injuries back then. Of course, Davey's always dealing with something, it seems like. But I think in the first part of the Cowie year, he had Epstein-Barr or some sort of virus. Yeah, he did. He came in. Uh, he came in sick or hurt or whatever, which is I think it's kind of become the norm. Other than 2013, and maybe if he went back to his Honda days. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, it's never doesn't seem like it's ever all you know all systems go or or whatever cliche you want to throw in there for Davey. Um, but he, I think he's riding pretty well. I don't know what's been going on as of late. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daytona obviously wasn't uh, up to his potential. Um, you know, the wrist thing's been going on. Um, I think that hasn't helped anything. But, um, yeah, it would, be, it would be nice just to see him back to uh, the elite speed that he had, even in the beginning of the year where he was winning heat races. So, I think. Do you think that's a. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Arnold. Well, kind of what I was wondering is do you think it's a deal where, like, you know, people are talking about rocks and that, you know, he's, he's never going to come quite back to 100%? Do you think that happened with Millsaps to where he just lost that? you know, extra 5% after he came back. What do you think, JT? Um, to me, when I, when I watch, I think, uh, I think the season is caught up a little bit, and it's really, really tough, whether it's uh, sickness or injury or just the intensity. Uh, if you don't come in at 100% from the off season, it's really hard to maintain uh, that level throughout the whole season. So, to me, when I watch, I think the the lack of a full off season of training is starting to catch up with him. When you factor in all the racing and travel, I just see him being a little bit flat when he's riding, and and flat's a term that gets thrown around a lot um, in the pits. As far as they just can't, they just can't find that you know top five percent of their potential, and a lot of it's just due to fatigue. It's just the season wearing you down, and that's that's what I see from him more than anything. Is he just looks like he doesn't have that last few percent of speed that he had earlier in the season. JT, do you think – thanks, Arnold. Thanks for your call. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. JT, 100% chance that Millsaps rides American Outdoors this year? He's contracted, too. I know. I mean, if – I know. Yeah, I – 100? I hesitate to say 100 on anything in this sport. (laughs) Okay. Uh, But I I I fully expect him to be out there. I know Forrest is is fully expecting and banking on him. and I know. I don't know what it would take for that not to happen. I mean, right. if, if he was in Canada versus America, the only possible way I could see that happening is for KTM proper to step in and force it to happen. Yes. That's, it. That's which, the only possible way I could see Right, that which I think might might be going on behind the scenes. or Maybe. I, I don't yeah, know. I, yeah. I To me, I have not heard that personally, but yeah. I can tell you that's the only way I could see it happening. Yeah, yeah, Davey doesn't make that decision. Right, exactly. Uh, all right, let's get to uh, Kyle before we wrap up the show here. Kyle, what's going on, man? How are you? Oh, it's going good. I guess we had a, a line crossover or something whenever I called in a little while ago. All right, what's happening? But oh, it's minor. Um, I was just wanting to check in with you. I really like the publicity you're giving for the Lit Kit Award because people's kit was looking pretty bad. I know they have different helmet sponsor, gear sponsor, and boot sponsor, but sometimes it was so mixed match. Yeah. It was wretched. Yeah, no, but, I, agree. Um, I was. You know, the main thing I was going to ask you about is with 90s Moto. I know both of you guys are fans of it, and I want to get your opinion of why you like it or would possibly rate it better than today's Moto because as a viewer, I mean, you guys had the inside scoops on everything. Yeah. As a viewer, I was usually watching McGrath take off for 
10 to 20 laps, and they usually showed him just checking out from everybody. Not, right. You know, as a viewer, we didn't really get to see the battles happening. So were the battles better, or what's your opinion? Well, what do you think, JT? I don't know if the the bikes have changed a ton. In my opinion, the bikes have changed the sport. Four strokes, of course, I mean, have changed everything. Uh, what do you think, JT? Yeah, I think uh, the, the technology of the bikes is the, the biggest thing. Um, I mean, if you go back and watch if you go back and watch 90s moto and just watch the overall speed and the way that they're going through jumps and over whoops and then you go watch like Tomac or you know whoever your favorite rider is now it's almost like a different sport and i don't say that to um it's not a negative you know uh comment towards 90s riders because i think that the riders are still very talented and they were working hard and all that stuff but what you were able to do what the what the bikes allow you to do these days is just you know it's a continual um evolution of you know the bikes allow you to do something so a new technique Mm -hmm. comes out and then the riders take that and then they push it to a further limit so um, I, I do think just uh, the technology and the bikes and the four strokes and all that, all yeah. that is uh, just created and, a whole new technique for most. Guys. And I think Kyle, when when you know maybe maybe I've said the '90s are better or whatever. Like, don't you feel like in the '90s, Kyle? Like, let's put ourselves in 1996, right? Those guys are sure. probably like, ah, the '80s were better. The '80s were better. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's the old, it's the old thing yeah. about people always, this, you know, going a back. Nostalgia issue. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Know, yeah with, so. the, with the evolution of the bikes, I mean, this is something I've thought about extensively. The bikes are better. Suspension's better. I can definitely jump and do things better, even though I'm, yeah, you know, 20 years older now. But I can do it better because of the bikes. It seems like the track should really evolve to where it's really pushing the bikes to their limits, because that's where you know, whenever you, I'd mentioned this before, whenever you'd have PC's building a 125 just to clear a triple, but if you were to put the jump face right at the exit of the turn where, you know, it's mm-hmm. still a struggle to clear it on a 250, you know, to evolve the track to make it more challenging for where the bikes have progressed. Yeah, yeah the tracks haven't, uh, hasn't, haven't evolved. That's, that's the bottom line, in my yeah. opinion. I, I really think if you took, uh, you know, Tomax or Rock, say Rocks in the beginning of the year, he was the fastest guy on earth the first, you know, couple weeks yeah. of the season. You take Rocks in. And you put him on a track, say Anaheim, 1996, and you take McGrath, who was the baddest dude alive at that time. Roxon's pr- just because of the bike and the you yeah. know evolved te- ne- yeah. technique that the bike allows. He's probably going to be four seconds better. Uh, maybe, maybe more. Maybe five. Maybe more. Yep. Yeah, yep. maybe more. Yep. It's it's going to be an astounding difference. Like if they had dartfish and you laid them over the top of each other, it would be scary the difference of what the bikes allow you to do now from the whoops to scrubbing the jumps to traction out of the turns to acceleration to every every aspect all right thanks kyle appreciate it man awesome thank you thank you appreciate it let's get to uh phil you got a question for jt about the gear yeah more so the tv coverage and okay like a weekend when you guys do uh debut new gear um do you prefer like outdoors obviously fly prefers the outdoors but other companies do they do it indoor outdoor uh jt does it i mean what do you think you, you guys usually debut the gear you know washugal or red bud some people do red bud does it really matter for flyers uh, it's it's really just timing you know the when we launch our gear is is more on a on a calendar timeline than it is which race so you know we do our daytona 
uh, we did our mesh gear at Daytona, which is really kind of Daytona is kind of the beginning of, you know, it's spring break and yeah. everyone starts to think about summertime activities and it's the first outdoor, you know, air quotes, outdoor event of the year. So that makes sense. And then, uh, for the, the real gear launch, which everybody does their own in the summer sometime, uh, it depends on which venue and when you're trying to sell in, you know, as far as when uh, the dealers are going to see gear for the first time. Um, but, yeah, it, it really more works around the calendar than it does uh, anything else. Yeah, if anything, JT, with, with Canard and Pike out, two prominent fly riders, you guys are like, ah, crap. You know, I mean, you'd love to have them in the new fly kinetic mesh that just launched. But Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, the yeah. more guys, you know, you know, really with the amount of guys that we sponsor, you know, we could have upwards of 10 or more people in the main event. And to have all those guys wearing basically the same thing would yeah. make a huge statement. Unfortunately, yeah. a lot of guys, our guys are hurt, which, you know, it's just typical for that, the sport. It happens. So, all right, Phil, anything yeah. else? Yeah. Were you pleased with the coverage at Daytona? It seemed like a lot of LTQ was just all fly the 250 yeah. LTQ and no i thought the cover i, I think the coverage i could spend an hour phil on the tv coverage <laughs> if you, i need to do no i'm not saying the coverage but the fly coverage oh the fly coverage jt the fly yeah. coverage um, i didn't get to see i was in daytona until yesterday so i still have not seen uh the television coverage yet and i probably won't watch it at this point um but I was there in person, and to me, we sponsor so many guys that we typically get some sort of coverage. Uh, so, yeah, if, if uh, honestly, that's the first. You're telling me the first I've heard of the 250 LCQ coverage being fly, so I'm, I'm happy to hear it. But I, sure. I have not. I was at the I was inside the Speedway for like six days straight. <laughs> like a, some sort of time warp. You're like Escape from New York. You were, you were yeah. Kurt Russell, but inside the Speedway. <laughs> Thanks, Phil. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Appreciate it. Uh, let's go to Justin. Justin, what's going on? How are you? Hey guys, how's it going? Good, quick, uh, quickly. Uh, yeah, sure. I know um, Dungey was frustrated after the race, and he threw his goggles down. He wasn't mad at anyone or his goggle company or anything like that. Did anyone see him back at the semi or his target camper? Um, that we, uh, what he was doing or how it? Yeah, was? we we covered this on our race wrap up there on the Racer X show. Uh, Weege was there, and Weege went over okay. to try to talk to Dunge. And there was mm-hmm. another journalist there, and uh, there was no sign of Dungey from anybody. And then I guess Weege and him gave up. So, no, nobody that I know. And I wasn't there, so nobody I know okay. saw him. So. It'll be a mystery forever. Yep, forever, man. Thanks. Okay, thank you. Thanks. Appreciate it. Let's wrap up these calls before we get too far into this thing. Uh, Travis, what's going on? How are you? Hello? Hi, Travis. What's up? What's your question? Hey, hey. Um, I was wondering, I know AC was on the Pulp Show Monday night, and he brought up um, him running that sand tire. He could tell on the Lit Pro, I don't know if it was during practice or qualifying, it was, he could see a significant mm-hmm. advantage with using that tire. Yep. How does that work with him and Joey under the same tent, you know? Does yeah. Joey's circle, do they see that and think um, about trying it out? Or Yeah, that's a good question. Um, Dunlop guys, uh, Brian uh, Fleck at Dunlop would definitely say, Hey, Joey, what do you think of this uh, paddle tire? And uh, Joey would say yes or no. Like, no secrets, that type of deal. Um, but it was interesting. Yeah, Adam really credited that tire for getting out of that sand. And But, you could, you know, he gave up some stuff on the corner. Um, but, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Dunlop would, would offer it to everybody. Um, JT, right? I mean, that's Yeah, how. absolutely. I mean, they're going to know. I mean, it's anytime a team like that is making decisions, they're, they're, you can't hide it, for one. You can see it right on his bike. Yeah. But, two, right. you know, obviously it's going to be a group decision. I would assume that Joey didn't like the feel of it because they definitely 
feel much different out on the track. And anytime you lean the bike over, you the thing just you don't have much grip at all. So uh, it's one of those things where Joey just probably didn't feel that he could be as aggressive with it. Uh, and then Adam just was willing to risk that because you basically know you're going to get a good start with that tire. Um, and he probably felt like the, the pole and the deep sand was worth it where Joey was like, eh, it's just, you know, it, it does Straight limit off, yeah. how you can ride. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So uh, it's compromise. Thanks, Travis. You want some 2017 kinetic mesh gear from Fly? Oh, dude, that'd be awesome. Yeah, it's the latest and greatest stuff that all the guys wore at Daytona. So stay on hold, man. We will uh, we'll hook you up with that. Thanks for listening. All right, thanks for everything you guys do, Steve. Appreciate it. All right, thank you, man. Uh, all right, JT, thanks for the time today. Uh, no Indianapolis this weekend for you. You'll be back. I'll be there. Yep. Fantastic. Can't wait. Thanks for, thanks for the time, buddy. All right, man. See you. All right, see you. Fly Racing Moto 60 Show presented by NFAB. Uh, NFAB. Truck Hero. Get and Pro Taper, everybody. Thanks for, uh, thanks for listening. Thanks to Paul Parabinas from Pro Taper. Thank you to Jason Thomas from Fly Racing. Lots to talk about when it came to this weekend. Seven races left in Monster Energy Supercross Series. Tomac wins out. He wins the title. It's that easy. All right, everybody. We'll see you next week.